Father, we thank You for this time together. We thank You that You see our hearts and You know us. God, You know the things that concern us, the things that we are discouraged by, the things that uh, have come in between our joy and our fulfillment through You. God, You see our sin. You see the barriers that we place before You as we ascribe things and situations more glory than we give to You. I pray this morning, Lord, that You would open the eyes of our hearts that we might receive for you, from You. And Lord, that we might be transformed in nature and in spirit. Lord, if there's one that doesn't know You today, I pray that You would draw them by Your Spirit and that You would make alive Your Word and Your presence that they would not be able to die the reality of God Almighty in His great gift of salvation offered through the person of Jesus Christ. So this morning, Lord, we ask for You. We need You. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to the book of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 as we will be looking uh, at that passage this morning. And this is a passage that is very familiar to people. Matter of fact, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, most, if you're a believer, if you've known Christ for any time, you've probably read the Sermon on the Mount. You've certainly heard sermons preached on the Sermon on the Mount. And the problem with the Sermon on the Mount, which is uh, arguably... Jesus' greatest sermon, greatest dissertation, so to speak, is that it's so familiar to us. We've, we've heard the Sermon on the Mount. We've heard these expressions. We've heard these scriptures. Uh, for example, the one that we'll read today, I mean, it's known by people who don't go to church, who will have nothing to do with church, and, and you'll even hear them quote this, Judge not, lest you be judged. I mean, that's, that's one of... Uh, if you ask people on the... Uh, outside of the kingdom of God, people who don't uh, recognize Christ as Savior, that, that's probably one of their favorite verses. Judge not, lest you be judged. I mean, we, we know that verse, don't we? we? We know that passage. We've seen that passage before. We're, we're familiar with that one, and we think that's a great one to use. And the problem is, is that it's become so familiar that we miss much of the meaning in this passage. Uh, we misinterpret because we are, quite frankly, fallible. As I've stated before, the Word of God is completely infallible. It's truth and incapable of being false or wrong. But the problem is, is that we are fallible, myself very much included. And sometimes we interpret Scripture incorrectly. You do it. I do it. We've done it in the past. Unfortunately, we'll probably do it again. Okay, and this is one of those passages that people have misused and have misrepresented. As we look at this passage, I want to ask you to kind of clue in here for a moment. Matter of fact, let me just give you uh, an an illustration that will awaken some of you. Okay? Uh, Because we like to look at this passage and we like to say that we're not condemning. We, We don't condemn people. We're not judgmental people. But in fact, we are. And, and let me give you an example. Um, Obama. You know, regardless of what you think about Obama's policies, doesn't matter. But here's an example of how some of us are condemning. 
Obama smokes occasionally. He's tried to quit, but he's, he, he admits he still occasionally smokes. When you see that, if you go, I can't believe he smokes cigarettes. I'm not condoning the smoking of cigarettes, by the way. Okay, I think that's bad, and I wish he'd quit. And kids, you don't smoke either. Okay, I'm, I'm in no way condoning smoking cigarettes. But if your heart becomes, I'm being, I'm condemning him because he smokes, and you eat a lot of fried food, and your cholesterol is way too high, and you take in too much salt, and you drink six cups of coffee, then you're a hypocrite, okay? It's the speck in the eye. But it's easy for us to do that when we have preconceived ideas or we have other agendas, and we'll be condemning in nature. Do you see that? So what I, the reason I'm sharing that, so you won't think, oh, but I never judge anybody. I never can. Yeah, you do. I do it. You do it. We all do it. We could start a club, all right? So we all do it. So I just want to, just want us to all recognize that we do that, okay? So with that understanding, let's begin this text, and then let's look at it in the way that it was supposed to be looked at, I believe. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with that measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Okay, that word judge, we must understand that it means something a little bit different than what we may look at right on the surface. Because if you begin in verse 15 in this same chapter, Matthew chapter 7, and look, Jesus asks, asks us basically to make some judgments. He says you can, there are two roads, and He says there's two trees, and there are two types of people who build their homes. We see Jesus frequently talking about us being discerning. Paul talks about uh, making judgments on teachings, and if those teachers are correctly teaching or if they're teaching false doctrine and then you you have to deal with it so all throughout the scripture we see that we are commanded uh, to make some judgments so what is the difference well the judgment that he's talking about right here a, a better word in our vernacular would probably be condemnation condemn not so let's read it in that manner uh, it's it, there's not an, a good exact word but i think that's probably the best one do not condemn or you too will be condemned. For in the same way you condemn others, you will be condemned. And with the same measure you condemn, it will be measured to you. Now, we see condemnation to express an unfavorable or adverse judgment, to declare incurable or unredeemable. Okay? Discernment, the act or process of exhibiting keen insight and good judgment. So here's what we know. We know we're supposed to exercise discernment, but we are never given permission to condemn individuals. Now, we sometimes may condemn acts that people make or take, but we are not, we are not given the privilege or uh, God has not affirmed the use for us to condemn individuals. Now, I want to take a little further and let's look at the dictionary version. Uh, this is a neat little thing, that, a little schematic that you can see here. Condemn. Condemn. And the, the best two categories to understand uh, what it means to condemn is to sentence or to doom or to extricate or objugate or reprobate. That word reprobate literally means someone who's unredeemable, someone who can't turn it around, someone whom, even, whom God has uh, basically disgraced or God has turned upon even, if you want to go into a more spiritual understanding. So it's, it's someone that you look at and you just think, boy, they can't be redeemed. That person is unredeemable. 
No chance for them. No chance for transformation. They're just beyond that. We are never given permission to make that assessment or make that judgment about someone. Now, let's go to discernment because we are frequently asked to discern. What's the difference? Uh, discernment, and the best ways to understand that probably uh, is to look, obviously, the word discern uh, or sagacity or savvy. We are asked to be savvy, to exercise some discernment. So we see, as a matter of fact, this ter- sermon, if I was going to give you the three points, which I'm not, uh, but if I were going to give you three points, I would say it's about judgment, discernment, and the kingdom of God or eternal life. Judgment, discernment, and eternal life. Matter of fact, this chapter right here uh, is the final chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. And he basically concludes and draws the picture here. This is what it's about. This is what kingdom life is about. This is what it means to follow Christ. And you're going to see there are two roads and two choices that you can make. But I'm going to ask you to choose me, to choose Christ. Now, with that background and that understanding, let's continue to read our passage. As Jesus is speaking here in verse 3, He says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? When Jesus said this, it was funny. I mean, He's basically saying... You've got somebody's got a speck in your eye. Jesus was probably looking. He said, and then all the time you have this plank. You have this big board in your eye, and, and they're laughing at this. Okay, this is meant to be uh, funny. This is meant to prove a point. But but I love what Jesus does here. He's he's making the visual, and he'll use several visuals as Jesus always does. And then right after people kind of chuckle after they laugh, he said, "You got the plank in your eye." Then he goes, "You hypocrite." It's just like, whoa, you had me. He drew me in here, and I was thinking, yeah, that's funny. And then he goes, you're doing that. You do that. In the name of religion, you do that. And you're not given that right. You're not given that authority. And then he goes, he says, you're a hypocrite. Why don't you take the plank out of your own eye? Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, there's another sermon right there on how we are to approach And let me just give you... Uh, the, the, the abbreviated version real quickly. Let me tell you this. You should never approach someone or seek to correct someone if you want to do it. There's, there right there is the good litmus test for you, okay? I can't wait to talk to them and tell them what I think. I mean, when you're in that attitude, that means you're in the condemnation mode. That's where you are right there, okay? You are so much not like Jesus, you should sit down and shut up, go pray, take a cold shower. Whatever it is that you need to do, okay? That right there means you are not in a discerning mode. You're in a condemning mode. You know how you're ready when you don't want to go, when you don't want to do it. You know, I really don't want to sit down and have this conversation, but but I need to. And I'm going to. because You see the difference? If you want to, wrong heart. If you don't want to, you're ready. <laughs> okay? And now, now, it's a little bit more complicated than that, but that's the basic. Okay? So we, we understand that spirit right there. And uh, it, so you really, there's really no gift of condemnation, all right? And you may think there is, or gift of confrontation. It's not a gift, all right? It, it should be hard. It should be difficult. 
Uh, it should make you pray a lot before you do it. Uh, we, are, we are asked to do it, and, and if you want more detail, a better sermon than I could preach, read Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 through 9. Okay, there's the, your grid stage. So let's continue on here. He said, Then you will be ready to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Verse 6. Here's another one that I can almost promise you that you've heard incorrectly. Do not give the dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under your feet, and they will turn and tear you to pieces. What are you talking about there? Okay, here's, here's the way I heard it growing up, and I bet some of you did too. Some people are so bad that you just might as well not even try. Don't even share the gospel with them. Don't tell them anything. Just leave them alone. They're reprobates. They're unredeemable. They're pigs, I tell you. Just forget them. They're dogs. Some people just, just can't do it. Does anything in there not sound exactly right? What did we just talk about in the first five verses? What was Jesus just saying? What is Jesus' whole ministry? It's reaching out to people whom society has deemed unredeemable. Not worthy. It has nothing to do with worthiness. Okay? You are basically in violation of the first five verses if you ever do that. And I know we've heard that before, you know. I've heard pastors do it that I like. Um, people say it, you know, you know that, that guy there, he's, that's casting your pearls before swine there. You think that's what Jesus really meant? You think Jesus really meant for you to just say, yep, him, 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 and her? They're out. They don't get it. And so that'd be throwing pearls. At the pig. And, and by the way, Jesus is talking about not being judgmental. Do you really think he'd go, you pigs? <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you think we're maybe missing it a little bit there? I mean, five verses, don't judge. And he goes, and then there's pigs and don't throw the gospel to them. What's he talking about here? I think he's talking again about our spirit and about our attitude. And let me say this. Don't get lost in the whole pig analogy. That's not meant to be that person's a pig and you're, you're, you know, you're the fully developed human being. It, it's a metaphor. It's a picture like the plank and the sawdust. Okay? So how, how are we to understand that? Well, what if I just take that and I throw that right there to you? You noticed his attitude when I threw that at him. He kind of jolted a little bit. Do you like it when that happens as opposed to, what about if I come over here and, uh, Kelly, I want to I give this to you. It just, yeah, I enjoy it and I think it's a great ball. Yeah, you're, Kai might like it someday. I want to encourage you to have that ball. By the way, I need these back by the end of the service. But <laughs> you, you notice the difference in the attitude when I just took it and flung it over here at Michael, I mean, you should have seen the last service. They, they did like that. Or even when I just kind of push it, and Jason caught it there. We don't really like that. We don't really like when somebody takes truth and they hurl it at us. A gross exaggeration that I shouldn't even use, but I mean, a gross exaggeration would be Westboro Baptist Church uh, making their stances and they're throwing and they're doing the picket signs and. They're being malicious. Nobody wants to hear that. And, and that is a case of taking truths and hurling it. Throwing your pearls before the swine. It, it has more to do with your spirit and your heart instead of defining who's worthy or not. That's not the message Jesus is speaking. And again, He never gives us that authority. 
And when we take the truth of God, it should be done in a spirit of gentleness and truth that we, we give it and we share the truth, but we don't force it. We don't hurl it and then walk away. We give it. And we give it in grace. And we give it in a spirit of which it will be received. Does that make sense? Does that bring a little clarity to us understand? And that's probably making it a little bit too simplistic. But it's wise. Aesop's fable, there's a story about um, a lion who was king of the jungle, greatly revered by all the animal kingdom. But he was old at this point, had gotten to the place to where his knees hurt, his feet uh, weren't able to move very quickly, and he had lost his quickness and his agility. And still a powerful king, a powerful lion, but unable to hunt. And he recognized that he would starve if he was not able to eat. And so the wise lion determined, here's what I'll do. He began to send out the message that he was on the brink of death, that he was old and he was in terrible shape, and that he longed for those who even feared him and who were ever even afraid of him to come and see him one last time. So in respect, even though many feared him and they knew that uh, he was capable of killing them and eating them, Many of the animals just came by as they were told by other animals how bad he was doing, and they would come by just to say one word, just to see the king of the jungle one last time. But it appeared that many of them were not coming back, and a fox made that journey, and when he went to the cave of the lion, he got there, and he discovered the lion just as he had heard. He was in a feeble position. And he called to the lion and said, Oh, great lion, O oh, king, how are you? He goes, I'm not doing well at all. I think I only have just a very short amount of time. I, this may be my last day. Won't you come closer? Uh, no, king, I'm fine. He goes, Oh, no, come, come here and so I can see you one last time so that I can speak to you eye to eye. And the fox said, No, I, I think not. I King, I notice that there are many tracks that enter your cave, but none that leave. Now, there's a great example of discernment. Not being judgmental, but exercising discernment. That's exactly what Jesus asked us to do. To be discerning in how we present the truth of God's Word. In how we invite people into the kingdom. And to do that properly and with class and dignity and principle. And not in anger or fear or guilt. Does that make sense? Do you see that picture there? So when we read that passage, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under the feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. What happens so many times when we do that? in an argumentative way, then all of a sudden the issue becomes they're rejecting me and not the gospel. They're rejecting me and not truth because they associate, just like I gave you that example of that place earlier, that's the Spirit. That's what I'm rejecting. Somehow they missed it. It's not God at all. You know, I've had people tell me this before, say, you know, well, I used to be a Christian, but I'm not anymore. Just don't buy into all that. Just It didn't work for me. You know what I say is maybe you accepted or so-called professed a religion, 
but not Jesus. Because, see, that very attitude tells me that you miss the whole principle of the gospel. Because here's the gospel. That I recognize that there's nothing in of myself that I could earn or do to deserve God's grace. That I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. And I need a heart that's transformed by God Almighty. It's the only way it can happen. Religion says this. As you notice, there are two roads in this passage. If we were to read it, Jesus talks about two roads in this chapter. He said there's, there's a road that's narrow and there's a road that's broad. There's a tree that bears fruit and there's another tree that doesn't. There's two houses. There's a house that's built upon the sand and there's a house that's built upon the rock. Religion is a house that's built upon the sand. It's a tree that doesn't bear fruit. It's a broad path that leads to destruction. And it goes like this. God, I'm going to do some things for you. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to give some money and I'm going to help the poor. I'm going to do some things. As a matter of fact, Jesus has been talking about this in the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about people who help the poor. He talks about people who pray. And then He talks about in this passage in chapter 7, but then some of them will come that on that day. On what day is that? That judgment day and say, Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied Your name? Have I not taught... Have I not done all these great things? He says, depart from me, I never knew. How could that be? Ever wondered about that? He said there's two roads, but there's religion road. People who said, God, I'm doing things for you. I believe you exist. And I believe you want to do some things for me. And so I'm going to give and I'm going to serve. and, And in turn, you're going to do this for me. I'm entitled to it. I've earned it. I've deserved it. That's what religion is. Religion is outside in. I'll do enough things so that you will give me what I need and I'll feel good inside. Following Jesus, trusting Jesus is the exact opposite. This is what it is. It's God I recognize. (laughs) You are the God of the universe. And I'm a sinner and I don't deserve it. I ask for mercy and grace. And I can't believe that you would save me, but I'm asking you to do that. Over here, I, I earn it. I deserve it. I do it. Over here, I just recognize, God, You are good. And I'm asking. I need grace. I need mercy. And I don't deserve it. In anything that I am or anything I become, thank You. You know, I I have a five-year-old. And can I tell you, my most disappointing moments in in parenting is this. When I think I need to resign from the church and go take parenting courses. When my son goes... Man, I don't have anything. We don't do anything fun at this house. And I don't have many toys. And and I don't like you guys. And I don't get nothing. That's at the time that I just feel like, God, I'm a loser. What What have I created here? What is going on right now? How did this happen to me? Look at what, you know, and, and you know, and then you want to stoop that level. What are you talking about? We had waffles, we had ice cream. <laughs> Look at this room. I can't get through it with toys. Yeah, but I don't have this one, and they have that over there. Don't you just hate that moment as a parent? Don't you hate that? How do you think God feels when we go, God, look what I'm doing? That's what, and they're still doing this, even at Judgment Day. Lord, did I not teach? Did I not serve? Did I not give? Did I not do miracles? Look what I've been doing for you. And I think God is much more repulsive than we are. 
when our children are going, I, got, I don't get nothing, I don't have any fun, you don't give me anything I want. That's what we sound like right here. That's what we sound like. And God's going, I don't know you. And when my son starts that, I'm going to go, I don't know you either, by the way. You know, that's what I want to say. Unfortunately, I do know you, but I love my son. i got a great son, by the way. But when we get in that attitude, I mean, it's a five-year-old mentality. And if he never matures out of that, I will feel very unsuccessful as a parent. I will feel like a failure if my, per- if my son at, at age 22 is going, I don't get nothing from you, Dad. You ain't do nothing for me. You no fun. There's the picture right there. So, so what? where does that leave me? It leaves us exactly where you think it leaves us. Is either you know Jesus and you've accepted Him and you've come into His kingdom, which is for this purpose, to bring Him glory. Everything that I do is God is a thank you. It's to bring you glory because you've transformed my heart because you've forgiven me. You've saved me. So it's a thank you. Or you're living this road. Here's some more, God. Give it to me. Bless me. I've become the pig, by the way. What does the pig live to do? To get bigger and get more and get comfortable. That's what the pig, that's his whole purpose in life, spiritually. More, 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 more. Like a cool place, just more and more. He doesn't discern between reality, doesn't discern between good and evil. He doesn't discern what grace is or to be thanks, to be thankful or grateful. He just wants more. And we are spiritually pigs if we come to God in that mentality. And the pearls are just being trampled on, so to speak. When I can say, God, a pearl that your son died for me, that grace has been granted to me through the cross. Matter of fact, if you went to Matthew chapter 13, you would see another story in verse 45. And you see another story about a pearl. And you about a man, a merchant, who searched all over the world for a great pearl. And then when he found it, he sold everything and purchased the pearl. He gave everything that he had so that he might have this pearl because of its great value. So the truth of it is, you're either a Matthew 7, 6, you're a swine. What does this do for me? My kids still act up. I still have debt, God. I mean, I've been trying to do what's right, and you hadn't gotten me out of the mess I created. That's a pig mentality. As opposed to, God, thank you for sustaining me. Thank you for the salvation that I've been given. Thank you for... The forgiveness. Thank you for the future that I have in store. And thank you for the hope that you've given me right now. I, I, I am so grateful for the pearl. And I, I give whatever it costs, whatever it takes. Lord, here's my life. Take it. Use me. You see the difference? And it's interesting, those last two verses of the chapter. And when Jesus had finished these things, the crowds were amazed at His teaching. This was completely different. This was a deconstruction of all they thought about how you get to God. He deconstructed their religion, and it made a lot of religious people very angry, by the way, because he taught as one with authority and not as the teachers of the law. We miss the intensity of the word because basically that word amaze means thunderstruck. It means they were shocked. You mean, I can come into the kingdom by giving it all to you? By believing that you are the Savior, by receiving you, by operating in a principle of grace, they were thunderstruck. They were awed. And so should us. 
show should we be when we recognize the great price of the pearl, the great value. So here it is. Here's the deal. The pearl has been presented to us. What will we do? Some will say, I don't see that it helps. It's not helping me. It's not working for me. It's not feeding my flesh. It's not making me bigger and happier and more comfortable. Then you missed it. You've missed the narrow road and you've taken the broad road approach. Or you can say, God, I'm amazed. I can't believe that you would want me. I'm a sinner and I don't deserve it. But I receive it. And now everything that I do is not so that I can earn or deserve it, but it's a thanksgiving to you. It's an act of worship to you. So when I give, it's an act of worship. So when I pray, it's an act of worship. When I serve, it's an act of worship. Big difference. Which road will you take? The pig or the pearl? Let's pray. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ and all this doesn't make sense. Maybe you trusted religion in the past, but you've never come to that place where you recognize, I'm a sinner and I just need forgiveness. I want to invite you to do that today. I want to invite you to come and, and receive of His goodness and of His grace. If you're here this morning and you say, you know, I don't know. Or I know this, I've never really accepted the pearl. I've tried the religion, but I don't know that I've ever really accepted Jesus. I want to ask you to come this morning and receive Him. Let me pray with you. I want to ask you to respond to the pearl that has been presented to you today. The grace of God. Will you receive it? In your name I pray.